You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. that I never tried to do it myself. I can't, I would lie to you if I told you that. There were times when I tried to force my way in there and God would slam the door shut. There are times when I did things, but everything wasn't wasted. It was all preparation. It was all learning. It was all growing closer to God, all experiencing God's love, all experiencing studying His Word, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Preparation. Everything that happened was preparation. That's what He did to David. God called David to be king many years before he actually became king of Israel. In the meantime, David suffered and struggled. Yet, as Pastor Dave will explain today, times of waiting are purposeful and used by God for your good. David couldn't rush God's timing, but trusted in its fulfillment when God declared it time. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 1. As he continues his message, the restoration begins. You are Another thing we can glean from studying 2 Samuel is that we lived in a shattered and fragmented world, as if we don't know that, right? And just like David did when he ascended to the throne. But God's desire, once again, is to bring all things together in Jesus Christ. Restoration of all things in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 10. God is looking for men and women who will yield to his power and help restore broken lives, broken homes, broken churches, broken cities, broken nations. And as we study this amazing book, you're going to answer one question. Are you available to be used by God? Because that's one of the biggest things, availability. Availability is one of the biggest things. And 2 Samuel opens with the death of Saul. For 10 years, David was in exile with a price on his head. He had to run away from Saul at every turn, and he was waiting for the time when God would accomplish that's what he called David to do, make him king. But those long 10 years were not wasted, folks. Those 10 years were not wasted in David's life. During those 10 years, David grew in faith. He grew in godly character as God equipped him for the work that he had chosen him to do. We must be ever patient when God has called you to do something for him to equip you and get you ready to do that. You're looking at a prime example of a man being called by God and then waiting until God's timing was right. I told you the story before, 1993, I had been saved for three years. 1993, the Lord, through scripture, through a whole bunch of different things, basically told me I would become a pastor. Basically told me, and I said, great. 17 years later, 2010 is when I came to Calvary Chapel, Cape May, as pastor. 17 years of waiting. And I can't tell you that I never tried to do it myself. I can't, I would lie to you if I told you that. There were times when I tried to force my way in there, and God would slam the door shut. There were times when I did things, but everything wasn't wasted. It was all preparation. It was all learning. It was all growing closer to God, all experiencing God's love, all experiencing studying his word, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Preparation. Everything that happened was preparation. That's what he did to David. 
when the day arrived, David didn't force himself on his people. He took a cautious approach. He showed wisdom and patience. He won the affection and the allegiance of the people, and he sought to unify the nation. It had been torn to pieces. And the psalmist writes in 78, uh, 72, in Psalm 78, verse 72, so he, David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. When we look back on 1 Samuel, we saw the Lord's providential hand in David's life. We saw the Lord's providential hand, and his men too. The Lord kept them from fighting against Israel. The Lord had kept them from fighting in Israel. Instead, the Lord had arranged a breaking point for David and brought him back to his senses. And David returns to Ziklag. He returns to Ziklag, which is where they were staying, to restore Ziklag, to get it back again. He's got all the wives and all the children that were um, taken captive by the Amalekites, and they come back to Ziklag, and they're there. And God led David to that camp where the Amalekites were. He gave them a great victory over the Amalekites, and they were able to bring back all the captives, and they were able to accept David's two wives and all the other men's wives and children. But David knew there was a big battle going on. David knew that there was a giant battle going on. In fact, remember, he wanted to be a part of that battle. There's a big battle going on between the Philistines and Israel, a major, major battle. David goes to Ziklag, and he awaits word of the battle. And this is where 2 Samuel begins. This is where 2 Samuel now begins. Let's look at verses 1 through 10. Now it came to pass. Don't you just love that verse? Now it came to pass. I love that verse. You having a hard time? Now it came to pass. Oh, you having a good time? And it came to pass. Okay. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell onto the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are also dead. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? The young man who told him said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gibeah, there was Saul leaning on a spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered, I am a Malachite. And he said to me, Again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. David and his men are waiting for the results of the big battle. The man comes to him from the battlefield, his clothes are all torn, Face is all dirty. He's obviously been in a battle. He seems a little bit disheveled. He comes and he falls at David's feet. He falls at David's feet. It's interesting, though, in Scripture, there are three accounts to this battle. There are three accounts of how Saul died in this battle. We studied them in 1 Samuel 31 and here in 2 Samuel 1. And remember, we looked at 1 Chronicles 10 to figure out what happened during this battle. 
And according to 1 Chronicles 10.4, Saul killed himself by falling on his sword. But this messenger told David that he killed Saul to save him from experiencing the agony and the humiliation. And 1 Chronicles 10.14 tells us that God killed Saul because of his rebellion, especially the sin of seeking a medium instead of seeking him. How do we reconcile this? How do we look at these? We have three different stories. Well, I studied this long and hard. I looked at all the commentators, and it's really interesting that for once, all the commentators agree, <laughs> which usually doesn't happen when you read commentators. They agree that the man was lying. They agree that the only logical explanation here is the man is lying. He's trying to make himself look good to David. He's trying to make himself look good in David's eyes. He was definitely on the battlefield, that we know, that we're sure of. But probably what they're thinking is he was searching for spoils, and all of a sudden he came across the king and his son. Whoa. And he recognized the king because of the kingly garb the king was wearing. And he took certain things. He took the crown. He took the patch, his insignia. He took the golden arm stand and all those things. He took them. He took the helmet. But many believe that he did not kill Saul from what we've read in 1 Samuel. And it's interesting here that the word fallen is used many times, no less than six times. When Saul began his reign, remember he was taller than anybody else in Israel? Remember we read that in Scripture? When he began his reign, he was taller than anyone, but he ended his career as a fallen king. He fell on his face in fear of the house of the Median and fell on the battlefield before the army, where David humbled himself before the Lord. And the Lord lifted David up. Lord always raises the humble. He resists the proud, doesn't he? And he gives grace to the humble. Lord always gives grace to the humble. Saul's pride and rebellion brought him shame. Even though Saul had been anointed king, it was a new day when he was anointed king, but he walked in darkness and he disobeyed the Lord. And it's interesting, in verse 8 we read, David says, who are you? The man says, I'm an Amalekite. Now, on the other side of the coin, if we take the Amalekite story as being true, this could be ironic, and those of you who believe in karma <laughs> could be karma. Why? Why did God get mad at Saul? He disobeyed God by not doing what? Wiping out the Amalekites. He didn't wipe out the Amalekites when God told him to go into the Amalekite camp and kill every single one, remember? He didn't do it. And this made God angry, and God took the kingdom from him. So here you have, if this is true, an Amalekite killing Saul. If he'd have wiped them all out, that Amalekite wouldn't have been around to kill him. So the story goes. Well, I'd share that with you. Chew on that for a while. Let's look at 11 through 14. Therefore, therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Then David said to the young men who told him, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Hmm. Hmm. Imagine the look on the Amalekites' face when David and his men showed the utmost horror and began to tear their clothes and weep and wail and cry. 
When, when, you ever, when you're in, in the Bible and you're studying the Bible and it says that someone rent their clothes or tore that clothes, that was a sign of utter disgust and pain. That was a sign of being very, very unhappy. They started to wail and mourn. He probably thought, wait a minute. Isn't this the guy who's been hunting you down for the last 10 years and I just killed him? What are you crying for? I think this guy expected a reward. I think this guy was looking for money. And this shows that he really didn't know the heart of David. And what's interesting to me is that at no point during the entire 10 years did David ever view Saul as his enemy. Would that I could do that. <laughs> Would that I could do that. He never viewed Saul as his enemy. He never viewed him. Remember the couple times he had a chance to kill him. He didn't take those couple times to kill him. David was not rejoicing in the death of Saul. Interesting scripture that I would like to share with you. You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there. Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel 33, verse 11. He says this. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? How often do we cheer when Osama bin Laden died? How often, I don't know how many people cheered when Charlie Manson died. I don't know how many people cheer when other wicked people die. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I find that very interesting. Why? Because it's God's will that all would come to knowledge of Jesus, that none would perish. And when one perishes, God doesn't take pleasure in that. I love this about David. He didn't take pleasure in that either. He didn't take pleasure at all. God's heart was for the people to repent. We're back to the R word. Repent and turn from their wicked ways and follow him. God is not a sadistic or cruel God. He doesn't make repentance impossible because he loves us. He loves humanity. We're his creation. And he loves his creation. He loved his creation so much that his son died on a Roman cross for it. All creation, even the ones out there who are cussing him even now. But when they pass away, God takes no pleasure in that. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Because God's love is constant. Turn from your evil ways. It communicates a desire, even the pleasure of God. He wants all to come to repentance. All. Lord, longing that men would do that and women would do that and choose life and not death. God wanted Israel to live and not die. Why should you die, O house of Israel? means that he didn't want them to perish because of the oncoming judgment. One commentator said this about verse 11. Verse 11 appears a beautiful blending of compassion with the demands of God's holiness, exhibiting both a yearning and a tenderness on God's part towards Israel. Should death issue as a consequence, it could be the result of their own will and not God's. Repentance and forgiveness are available to all. How many have ever heard somebody say, God sends people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. God does not send people to hell. It's a choice. It's a choice that they make. Everyone will be faced with the choice of accepting Jesus Christ or rejecting Jesus Christ. It's a choice. Follow hard after him or don't. It's a choice. God does not get happy when people perish. But 
I don't think it's very easy to go to hell. You've seen the graphics where there's a bridge that crosses the Great Divide and the bridges to cross, and people can come across that and go from sin to life. I believe people are going to trample right over Jesus' body on the way to hell. I believe that Jesus will be standing there begging them not to go. Begging them not to go. Then David said to the young man who told him, Who are you? Where are you from? And he answered and said, I'm the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. David vindicates Saul and Jonathan. He vindicates them by the death of this young man. The young man thought he was going to get a reward. Instead, he got a blade across the head. He didn't get a reward. He thought he deserved the award. And it's interesting here, if you make the connotation here. Now, you know, sometimes I get off on tangents, and I apologize, but that's just the way my, my brain is. Does anybody know what Amalek and the Amalekites usually stand for in the Bible? The flesh. They usually stand for the flesh. And this is a great illustration of what we're to do to the flesh. This is a great illustration of what we're to do with the flesh, where they get rid of it. Paul's, Paul says, have no confidence in it. Paul says, reckon it dead. Reckon the old man dead. Have no confidence in the flesh. We like our fleshly desire. Just like it, Amalek forces it to attack the tired and the weak. Our flesh attacks the tired and the weak. Like our fleshly nature, Amalek does not fear God. Our flesh doesn't fear God. We do. Our spirit does. And like our fleshly nature, God commanded a permanent state of war against Amalek. God has declared a permanent state of war against our flesh. God will not redeem your flesh. He will not redeem your flesh. Anything you do in the flesh will be burned up, will be gone. God will not redeem it. You may think you're doing this wonderful thing for God, but God knows your heart. God knows right into your heart. He looks at your heart and says, you're not doing that for me. You're doing that for you. I told you about the time I'm in here or in some place. I remember vacuuming the floor, and I'm grumbling because I'm vacuuming the floor. I'm grumbling because I'm vacuuming the floor. And all of a sudden, it was oppressed upon me. I never heard God's voice audibly, but it was oppressed upon me. Who are you doing this for? He said, because if you're not doing it for me, you better unplug it and stop. Who are you doing it for? You doing it for a reward? Are you doing it for somebody to go, hey, attaboy? Oh, that's your reward. That's the reward you're going to get. Don't expect a reward in heaven off that. You've got that reward. Bank it, because that's all you're going to get. Because when you get to heaven and you get to the beam of seat, Jesus is going to, re let me replay something for you, Dave. Remember you were vacuuming that carpet that day? You did that for you. You didn't for you. You wanted somebody to see you and tell you you did a good job. See that? It's gone. Next. You'll get no crown for that one because you did it for yourself. Remember when you accepted all that applause? That's your reward. I hope you liked it. God will not redeem your flesh. God will not redeem it. How do we conquer the flesh? Prayer. 
walking in faith, believing, seeking God with our whole heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, with all your strength. Come after him with everything you got. And praise God, one day God will blot out all remembrances of our flesh. It will be gone, and we will jettison this earthly body, and we'll be gone. We'll be changed in an instant, in a twinkle of an eye. I love it. This corruptible body will put on incorruptibility. Our mortal body will put on immortality. We'll be changed in an instant. Boom. Just like that. Jesus won the battle over the flesh. He's our Joshua. We are to mortify our flesh. We are to kill it. We are to eradicate it. We are to do anything we can to get rid of it. Remember what Paul said in chapter 7 of Romans? You have the flesh and you have the spirit and they are at enmity with one another. Look up the word enmity, which means there's a struggle going on inside you. There's a struggle going on inside you for control of your body. And if you admit it, because I'll admit it to you, sometimes my flesh wins, and then I have to repent. i got to get on my knees and repent, but sometimes my flesh wins. But greater is he is in me than he is in the world, and the Spirit can overcome the flesh. And in Christ Jesus, I'm more than an overcomer, because he's overcome. But keep my focus on that. So David vindicates Saul and his sons, and it clearly demonstrates to the public that he's a good guy because they thought he would be dancing. They thought he would be partying. The public sees this, and they start becoming enamored with this guy, with this king, even though they're still living among the Philistines. The Lord vindicated David. The Lord made David a great warrior. The Lord made David a great king. And David vindicates Saul. And David was no longer afraid after this point. He knew that this was his time, that God had called him. And in the coming chapters, God will anoint him again, and he will be raised up, and he will be declared king of Israel. He will be king of all Israel. And we know there'll come a day when the Lord will promise him that one will sit on his throne forever. One will sit on the throne of David forever. For this day is born to you in the town of Bethlehem, a child, the son of David, Jesus Christ the Lord. He is chosen by God. He is prepared by God. He was restored by God. And now he was ready to be used by God to lead this nation back to unity, to put together the pieces that were torn apart by King Saul and his reign. It was a mighty, mighty task. And David will fail. David will fail. You know him. He's going to fail. He will fail because he's a man. And he will fail. But God will continue to restore him. He will always be called by God a man after my own heart. Even after his sin, which are great. Will always be called a man after God's own heart. Would that we would be called a man or a woman after God's own heart. Would that be our heart's desire? I hope so. You are the book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. 
David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.